Just because this podcast is not perfect, it does not make it any less worthy of love. Oh, you wound me. 28 seconds in heaven. Sometimes I talk like this to feel fancy. You are cordially invited to a discussion about a love story that has nothing to do with love, only lust and wealth. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Yours truly, Lady Whistledown. It's Bridgerton. Welcome to The Center Cut. I'm Duke David. And I am Lord Michael. And we cordially request your company at our balls. I like it a lot. So this week we are talking about Bridgerton. Are you excited, Michael? No, I am not excited. So we'll cover our full thoughts later during our center counts. That little R with the circle in it because it's registered because we we patented it. Trademark, trademark, trademark. I just need to say this first. I don't get the obsession with this genre. Like the 1400 to 1800s Europe king and queen and fancy family high class balls and other body balderdash. Why do you care what these highborn jerks do? What does it matter who they sleep with? These are just antique versions of the same billionaires we rail against now. It's just like an 1800s version of farmer bro and politicians and rich white guys who just keep controlling the world by shitting on poor people's heads. I blame Disney. Why? Why Disney? I think a lot of old Disney movies kind of play it on this genre when you think of like your Cinderella's and such that for ladies, love stories as a general rule of thumb tend to fit within this specific genre more so in their mind than any other genre yeah but these characters suck like they should be reviled for their grandeur and just the waste of it all even if we strip away that part of it like we strip away the wealth and the titles didn't we have the revolutionary war because we were sick of these old brits and they're constricting conventions and all the other bullshit like we started our own country and killed a bunch of natives just so we could end the charade and now you want to watch them dance and eat macaroons your ancestors would be rolling around in their graves. Just because we didn't want to be a part of it doesn't mean we didn't enjoy watching it. Uh, I don't know. I don't like it. But what we are here to do today is we watched just the first episode and just the last episode of Bridgerton season one. And we're going to answer a lot of questions to try to help us figure out the middle. Yes. So Bridgerton is, as we've mentioned, a period piece set in the early 1800s. This is a Netflix original based on the book series of the same name written by Julia Quinn. This premiered on Christmas, so just a, f a few weeks old, about a month old. It's already been renewed for a season two because people were just fucking loving it. It is narrated by Julie Andrews, which is, in my opinion, the best part of the whole show. <laughs> it stars Reggae Jean Page as Simon and Phoebe Dynavor as Daphne. And as we said, a lot of people like this, so it got a 90% on Rotten Tomatoes and has been in the Netflix top 10 since it's released. It's still up there a month later. So it's killing it. It set all kinds of Netflix records. People are loving it. I don't understand, but we will talk about it. Yes. I mean, we all know you don't understand. Par for the course. <laughs> but why don't you tell us what happened in the first episode? 
will do. So the first episode is entitled Diamond of the First Water. Do you know what that means, Dave? Nope. I didn't either, so I, I looked it up. A diamond of the first water essentially means it's a high-quality diamond. First has to do with the... I don't remember, but... <laughs> good, good researching, bud. No, the, the first water is like two qualifiers explaining like its clarity and, and, and so forth. Um, so basically, it's just a, a nice-ass diamond. Interesting. I should have known that. My mother's going to be very disappointed. All right. Was your mom a diamond? Yep. In the rough. I don't know what that means. So we open in 1813 London, and I want to vomit immediately. You're the worst. Julie Andrews is narrating. She is Lady Whistledown, a rumor-mongering gossip trafficker. Mm -hmm. And we meet the Featherington sisters, a bunch of pseudo-uggos with a mean mom. And then we meet the Bridgertons. Are we not going to talk about watching these girls get stuffed into corsets? I mean, we're going to talk about it, but... <laughs> but th this, I mean, this first scene when we meet the Featheringtons is the first real exposure we had. Girls fucking getting rammed into corsets. And I have to say, I'm glad that I am a guy and also that these aren't still a thing. But man, if I tried to get in a corset, I'd look like Nicki Minaj. It would just take 80 pounds and shove it downwards and upwards. I think corsets still exist. I don't, I don't think. They still exist. I mean, they obviously aren't in the normal fashion industry right now, but they do still exist. Yeah. So after that, we meet the Bridgertons, who are the Jonas Brothers and some sisters, one of which steals the show a lot more on her later. One sister, Eloise, yells to the star, Daphne, you must make haste, which in my mind is foreshadowing. Oh, you think so? Mm -hmm. hmm. Make haste. We'll talk about it. Uh, anyway, I also forgot to mention we see a bee, which. Yeah, every once in a while we see bees. Yeah, a lot of bees. Just assume that every scene we explain there's a bee. There's also a bee. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the F's and the B's, which is what I'll call the Featheringtons and the Britishans from here forth, because it's a lot quicker. They're going to show their wares to the queen or some other stupidity like that. And one of the Jonas brothers, Anthony, gives his trunk to an opera singer against a tree. Mm -hmm. And we see his buttocks. Yeah. And, and the driver of his carriage is just like hanging out there, like just <laughs> trying not to pay attention to the fact that he's just fucking like four feet behind him. Yep. So at the queen's showing, the Featheringtons flounder, one of them faints, and the queen fails them. Mm -hmm. Daphne, however, is beautiful. And the queen says, bravo. This is the stuff I hate. Crushing it. Instead of judging people by their character and quality, let's just have a pop-filled ceremony where one rich lady gives a judgment based on how pretty you look. Mm -hmm. Stupid pale British fucks. This is why the world hates white people. One of the many reasons. I mean, is the queen even white? <laughs> Good point. I Fair point. Tell. We get the intro next, which revolves around a, a bunch of shit coming out of a tree. Mm -hmm. I don't really, <laughs> I didn't really understand it any of that. It had like a gardening Game of Thrones feel. Mm, like if Game yes. of Thrones was only about gardening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, it's not the things that I'd want to come out of a tree. I'd prefer maple syrup personally. Thanks a lot, Bridgerton. I like fake maple syrup. Normally, I would argue with you about that, but we just don't have time. <laughs> There's too much to get through here, but you're wrong. Absolutely right. You're wrong. Go on. We see Lady Whistledown's tabloids being propagated. I hate how bright everyone's clothes are. Don't get me wrong. I like it aesthetically, and I'm a proponent of rocking neons and pastels instead of grays and blacks. It just doesn't feel real to me. Like, it's too it's too bright and modern in this world. Did you get that, too? No, I, I didn't get that. I think that that time in the summer in a highfalutin area of London, it's going to be bright. I don't know. I don't. You wanted it to have like, it just a, feels like a witcher feel? 
where it's it like just, everyone is just wearing yeah. like dirty, dirty clothes and has no color in it. Yeah, but that's exactly how I mean, there might be, I'm not saying there wouldn't be colors like obviously people wore colors. I just don't think it would be that bright. Like, I just feel like people were plainer back then. And and also, like you said, people literally would be dirty. I don't know. Like, about they ain't washing their shit out here with Tide. Yeah. They're fucking washing it in the ocean and rubbing some rocks on it. To well, get it I'm pretty sure these families are rich enough where they're not washing anything. Well, okay, then their maids are fucking rubbing them against rocks in, in like one of those. They're using a thimble. That's what you use a thimble for, right? Uh, yeah, sure. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I think it's to protect your thumb when sewing. I don't. I don't understand. That's my guess. Anything. That's a much more educated guess than what they use to clean clothes. With. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Anyway, we're we're far flung here. The latest paper that Lady Whistledown has distributed talks up Daphne and shits on the Featherington clan. And we get our first hint as to who Whistledown is, which I'm going to be honest, I guessed right away. But I don't want to talk about that now. We'll talk about it at the reveal later. So stay tuned. I am still not 100% convinced that that is who it is at the end. Are you kidding me? We shall talk about it. Yeah, we'll talk about it then, but okay. Mm -hmm. Well, anyway, we meet the Featherington's cousin who's to stay with them. Her name is Marina, and she's beautiful, as opposed to the pasty ugliness of the rest of the family. Yes. Next, we meet Simon. He's a strapping young lad who's back in London due to the death of his papa, and some lady with a cane forces him to come to the ball that night. Mm Mm-hmm. We get more sex with Anthony and the opera singer. Yeah, he's doing a lot of fucking. You know what's gross? What? Sex in the 1800s. These motherfuckers didn't shave. They probably only bathed once a week and brushed their rotten ass teeth with powder and wood sticks. I could not do it. I can only have sexual relations if I am no further than eight hours from my last shower. I need to be so fresh and so clean, clean, or I will not bang. Plain and simple. I probably would be a lifelong virgin if I lived prior to the 1900s. I just have to smell good. That's what it boils down to. I have to smell good to have sex. I don't think you would have the same feeling if you were born in the 1800s. So I don't, I think, I still think you would have been fucking, it would have just been dirtier. I no, because here's the thing. If I'm going to have sex, I want everything to be open. I want like, if, if I want to explore or if I want my partner to explore, I don't want there to be a chance that like my partner starts to go down South and it smells like an old submarine sandwich. Like I need, I need it to be good. I'm glad to hear that you're such an exploratory lover. <laughs> I'm like Dora, bitch. Anyway, it seems like <laughs> terrible. Uh, terrible. <laughs> it seems like even though they get it on, Anthony can't be with Sienna, the singer. I, I'm thinking because she's too low class. That's all I can postulate based on what we see. I'm pretty sure. Yes, she is not of those. The, the families that all have money. So she is not eligible to him. That sucks. It sucks, but I mean, because he has so much money, you could just sleep with her anyways. <sighs> I guess, but anyway. Yeah, it sucks, but also, in the end, she ends up being a little bit of a bitch, so I don't care. That's fair. So we're at the Cane Ladies Ball, and Anthony protects his sister Daphne by thank you nexting every suitor while a string version of, you guessed it, thank you next by Ariana Grande plays. Yeah, that was, uh, he, he's a real asshole. I love him. Yeah, of course you do. I'm an Anthony fan. He's he's preventing all the dirty, dirty sex. Well, listen, I, I I get what he's doing by by nixing everybody. Like I get that that's annoying, but to be fair, also these dudes are all douchebags. So he's really doing her a favor. Yeah, but if his sister's into douchebags, like it's not his place to tell her who she sh- should or should not be into. In today's society, I agree with you. 
but in a society where already like there's already these norms where hey you can't be with an opera singer because she's too low class i feel like your family does unfortunately have a say or or should have a say yeah but i think that she is in the right here where she explains that as a woman in those times your worth is determined by what kind of suitor you are able to take on and if your brother is cock blocking everybody out of it then you know you're not going to marry anyone other than fucking bearbrook and he's a fucking nightmare yeah we'll we'll talk about him soon <laughs> hate that guy mm-hmm. so marina on the other hand uh, the featherington cousin she is all the rage and lady featherington hopes that it will lead to her lame daughters getting some attention too doesn't no no it doesn't spoiler alert <laughs> Speaking of Burbrook, not Bearbrook. Bearbrook State. <laughs> There's a Bearbrook State Park in New Hampshire. That's why I call him Bearbrook. That's where he belongs. He is the douchiest douche of all the douches, and he tries mm-hmm. to talk to Daphne, and she escapes by bumping into Simon, the Duke. <laughs> These glasses are awful small. <laughs> he's, a very, he's a real conversationalist. Mm-hmm. But speaking of the Duke, like all rom-coms, Daphne gets off on the wrong foot, but we know it will all end well. What if he walked up to her and was like, you want to get nipple to nipple? If you don't know what we're talking about, you should probably listen to our last episode on Roadhouse. Let's face it. You all know what we're talking about. So a Bridgertonized Girls Like You by Maroon 5 plays as the F's and B's await their gentleman callers. Mm-hmm. Anthony poo-poos the few men brave enough to still seek Daphne, while Marina's milkshake brings all the boys to the yard. Oh, yeah. The douchiest of all the douches, Lord Burbrook, calls on Daphne, and it is cringe city, especially when he eats a biscuit like a goddamn titmouse. <laughs> Everything about this guy is the worst. Also, you silly Brit bastards, that's not a biscuit. It's a fucking cracker. Let's get our snack vocab in order. Oh, God. Don't even get me started on French fries, fucking chips. Get the fuck out of here. I mean, they invented the language before we started using it. And we perfected it. <laughs> a true American. <laughs> Some more dudes call on Marina. Listen, I hate the Featheringtons just as much as you do. And you, I'm saying you like the overarching you. But their dresses are fire. Let's be honest. Oh, are you? So you love floral prints, you fucking asshole. I really they're do. Terrible. Oh, they're so good. God, so they're good. so bad. They all look like they were made from curtains. That's okay. No, you shouldn't wear a curtain. You hang a curtain. You wear a dress. But why do you hang a curtain? You hang a curtain so you can look at it all the time when you're looking out a window. You want to look at it all the time because it looks good. No, you hang it up so that you can metaphorically move it out of the way when you actually want to look at something. (laughs) It's just you hang something you specifically want to say, get the fuck out of my way when you want to look out the window. I don't know why I think that's so funny. Got him. Penelope makes eyes at one of the Jonas Brothers, Colin, and Daphne and Anthony ride their horses in the park, and Daphne bemoans her lot as a woman since it's either marriage or bust. And I am glad that we have moved away from that antiquated thinking. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But it definitely was a thing. Mm, mm -hmm. Old pals Anthony and Simon gamble and brag about being perpetual bachelors, and the cane lady invites Daphne and Lady Bridgerton into her box. I don't think that means what she thinks it means. <laughs> uh, yeah. And there was a huge orgy. Yes. Lady B and Kane Woman are trying to set up Simon and Daphne. Simon, i.e. the Duke, has dinner with the bees. He and Daphne are like oil and water. 
But again, we all know their viscosities will change by the end of the shit. Anthony, on the other hand, does not want them to mix. He and Lady B fight about it. She calls him out for his tryst with Sienna, and we see him end things with her post-coitus, obviously. Mm-hmm. You gotta get the you gotta get the last sex in before you break up. Naturally. We're at yet another ball, but this one seems less formal than the first one. Colin's a nice guy to Penelope. Marina misses her period, and Anthony tells Daphne she should marry douchey Nigel Burbrook. This has gotta suck for ladies that back then it was just like a you perioded everywhere. Yeah, there's a question that dives into that later. I think we'll we'll talk about then. I usually like the Featherington garb, as we've discussed. But when no, the mom gross. goes to yell at Marina for not bleeding, she straight up looks like she cut off Big Bird's head and is wearing his body. Yeah. I am sorry. What in the London hell was that? It's just yellow and furry. Bad. Not only that, she bitch smacks Marina. Yeah. Got heated quick. At the party, Daphne is off by herself when douchey Nigel Thornberry... Sorry, Nigel... Burbrook appears, and <laughs> I'm pretty sure he was going to trigger warning Brock Turner. Her, just another rich white entitled cornflake, fucking trying to get his canola on. Actually, I just had this thought. Do you think that rich people are worse at sex? Because I kind of do. Interesting. Offer your case. So, rich people are lazy usually, and part of being good at sex is you need to work that ass. <laughs> when you're poor. You have to like you have to worry about surviving. So each time you have sex, it might be your last time. Plus, there's probably some subconscious thing like where your body tries to m- make your air since you're going to die of starvation or not having access to affordable health care. So I think like you're good at sex because you need to make that baby to further your line. Wow. There's a lot of things there. I disagree. You talked about. Oh, I understand. See, when you said <laughs> when I said air, you thought I meant when you said air. You're talking about. <laughs> I was like, where is he going with this? Ah, uh, now it all it all it's all clear to me. No, I'm saying you need uh, to you're you need to subconsciously make a baby because you think you're gonna die, so you need to get some you need to get a living part of your lineage out in the world. Yeah, I can understand where you're coming from on that. In the same vein, though, I think that that is almost even more important for people who have money to have someone who is going to hold their family name and continue on the legacy of their family. But more than anything, I think the biggest driver for this is going to be that typically people with a lot of money are very confident. And confidence can go a long way in the bedroom, I think, especially if you're trying to be an exploratory lover. Yeah, but they're just they're just so comfortable in their life. I just uh, so I don't think know. like poor people's overall anxiety and stress with life is going to make them better at fucking. Yeah, I really do. <laughs> I really do. Plus, rich people, they have to pay for sex and sex that you have to pay for is not consensual. So it's not going to be as pleasurable. Yeah, but I think like fucking and also at the time of fucking trying to think whether or not you're going to be able to eat your next meal <laughs> probably takes a little bit away from the just your focus. Did I pay the cable bill? Fuck. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Maybe. I, I don't know. My logic's falling apart here, but I yeah. still think I'm right. This is twice now that I've been able to pick apart your logic this episode, and we're only like 20 minutes in. I love it. Uh, anyway, 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 anyway. Daphne knocks this fool out with a punch to the nose, and Simon comes running over. 
they share their contempt for Whistledown and the shit she's been smearing on their walls. And they concoct a plan to pretend to be a couple to basically quell the Duke's suitors and also make Daphne more desirable since men are slobs who only want a woman once they know that other men also want her mm-hmm. because we're too stupid to gauge wifeability on our own. Wifeability? Yeah, wifeability. Oh, nice. I like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm coming up with words here. Uh, as mm. fireworks go off in the sky, we see the sparks between them also start to ignite. One thing is clear. Before the season concludes, they are going to start a fire in my pants. Ooh, to be continued. <laughs> and that's the first episode. Mm-hmm. So... Episode eight, the final episode of season one, After the Rain. I don't think it has any special meaning, but I didn't do the research to see if it did. I mean, things happen after it rains. Yes. We open with some unimportant Lady Whistledown narration about how shitty marriage can be, especially in the past, and you could just get like shoved together with people that you don't care about, but you just had to get married, so you did it. Mm-hmm. Daphne and Simon are being painted. It still seems like they're very distant, but it seems like something something happened between them. So there's like kind of a sexual tension, but at the same time, they are physically and emotionally very distant from one another. And we learn that they're trying to figure out a plan on him leaving soon, but we know now that they are married. So I don't know where their original plan went awry, but they're married now and there was a pregnancy scare. I don't know. They're getting their picture taken quote unquote obviously it's not a picture as we know it now someone's painting them Mm -hmm. and it's it's so wild that that was getting your picture taken like it literally would take hours to get your picture taken Mm -hmm. now i can just whip out my phone and take a close-up picture of my belly button in seconds and then text it to my friend and say it's my butthole yeah i wonder if you wanted to send a sext back then you had to try and paint your own penis or if you hired (laughs) someone to come paint your penis yeah nigel's out there just painting of his own dick that's what handing them out to girls at the party when 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 they said he had a collar and he walked in with a gift that's what it was she opened it up later (laughs) episode two i'm assuming in the beginning of episode two she opened the gift from bear (laughs) brook and it was a crudely painted dick pic (laughs) Uh. (laughs) but we definitely see when daphne and simon are getting their picture taken that there's some sexual tension there eloise in this instance is grilling benedict we see her grilling benedict at at another time i don't know when about genevieve de la croix so genevieve and benedict seem to be in a relationship i couldn't tell the difference between any of these brothers they just all look like the lead singer of panic at the disco to me oh i'm so glad you made a panic at the disco reference because that's all i could think about watching this show every time i see all these goofballs in their top hats and their multicolored petticoats i half expected the panic at the disco guy to just pop into the frame with a i chimed in like oh my god it's ridiculous they Mm -hmm. literally look like it's a panic at the disco video music video why why can't they just close the door close the goddamn door yeah I, it's ridiculous <laughs> so we find out at, in this scene that francesca is coming back where did she go no idea no clue francesca by the way is one of the bridgerton sisters yes because we also find out later that they are named in alphabetical order mm-hmm. so it goes a b c d e f g g h, h there's an actually. h yeah. yeah so lots of kids We are at the Featherington estate now. Marina is no longer pregnant. What is going on here? Apparently, she drank some tea. It's all good now. What was in that tea? (laughs) Now that there is no more pregnancy scare, she's done with all the shit. She's going to leave. 
Penelope, we find out, has a thing for Colin. We saw a little bit of it in the first episode, but definitely nailed that down in this episode. A dude named Philip shows up. Philip Crane, who is the brother of George Crane, who is apparently mm-hmm. the dude who got Marina knocked up, maybe? I think so. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Now we cut back to Daphne. Daphne is hanging out with her mother, and she's telling her that the Duke and her are going their separate ways. They had some disagreement. They're they're not um, seeing eye to eye. So it makes me feel like they were they had their ruse going on at the very beginning of episode or at the very end of episode one. I think they actually fell in love, and then something happened, and they fell out of love. One hundred percent. They've decided upon whatever this disagreement is that they're going to go their separate ways. At this point, Lady Featherington shows up. Apparently, her family has been disgraced in some way or another. But Daphne wants to bury the hatchet and invites the Featherington ladies to her ball. She and the Duke are having a ball at their estate. It's the final ball of the season. I call bullshit on this whole show. I can get past some of the costuming. I can get past the language, the multicolored people etc but the teeth fuck out of here with the teeth these actors and actresses have prime chompers and that flies in the face of 1800s or even present day britain i don't know if you've seen any british person they have bad teeth i'm not going to stand for it if a show can cgi a dragon you can give these fuckers some stank ass teeth no see this is would you enjoy this period piece more if they all had teeth like fucking austin powers yes 100 it'd be more realistic more entertaining to you if they had shitty teeth yes it would be more realistic this isn't a goddamn documentary how much fun would it be watching sex scene if they all had jacked up teeth and were all dirty and gross it wouldn't be fun at all unless you're into that you're an exploratory lover i don't know people watch amateur porn yeah but those people aren't the dirty with fucking jacked up teeth unless unless you're into two girls one cup like i don't know what what you're getting into i'm not saying i'm into it i'm just saying i have seen amateur porn that has people with jacked up teeth and ugly faces so it's crazy to me to think that you want to be so clean for sex that you will not have sex if you haven't showered within eight hours which I feel like is actually a a high estimate for you. I'm willing to bet it's lower than that. And you you jacked it up for the podcast so you didn't sound too crazy. Well it depends it depends on what I've been doing that day. Like if it's mm-hmm. if it's five hours in and I and I went for a jog, well I mean that's already off the table. I'm, I'm talking like eight hours of doing nothing, like a, a stationary, sedimentary l- lifestyle. But I but I'm also not like watching my clock. I don't like pull out my watch and be like, it's been seven hours and fifty nine minutes, one more minute to sex. Like, no, it's I mean it's it's just a, you know, I don't believe it, <laughs> but I'm surprised that you would be more entertained by the show if everyone is fucking having dirty sex, but you refuse to have dirty sex. I didn't say this has nothing to do with dirty sex. I'm talking about their teeth. I don't know where you made this connection, but you've been talking about it the whole time about the, the, the cleanliness of the, of the folks. I, don't, I just, yeah. I don't know if you noticed, but this whole a goddamn show is about sex. It really is. It really is. It's like 1800s, 50 shades of gray. Mm-hmm. We digress. Philip Crane explains that George is dead. He died in battle. Marina is distraught. Daphne apparently had something to do with Philip being able to figure out that Marina was in London. I don't know what that means. Apparently, Marina thought that George hated her, but it turns out that he wasn't writing because he had a good excuse. Surprise, he was fucking dead. Mm -hmm. And his final letter to her was that he loved her. I don't know anything about this story. We never even met George, so I don't know what the fuck's going on. (laughs) 
Yep. Eloise confronts Genevieve. She is convinced that she is Lady Whistledown. So basically just shy of outright asking her if she's Lady Whistledown. And Genevieve de la Croix kind of lets on that she is Lady Whistledown. So Eloise is like just beside herself and super excited that she figured out who Lady Whistledown is. Yeah, she does not do a good job denying. No, not at all. Daphne is preparing for the ball, sees Simon. She asks what his father did to make him take a vow like that. I don't know what that means. He kind of skates around the question and pieces out. Now we're at a boxing match and we meet a guy named Will, who we've never met before. He's getting ready to fight some other weird looking dude. Who the hell is this guy? Yeah, I don't know. Where did he come from? No idea. Beats me. But he's going to he's going to fight this man. But he decides he's going to he's going to throw that fight, apparently for Lord Featherington to try and make a pretty penny, offered a portion of those winnings to Will. Um, some bullshit about how Will just wants to start his life with his wife and he mm-hmm. doesn't want to fight anymore. Blah, blah, blah. Featherington bets his whole house on the other fighter, even though Will is favored. So obviously that is a, a bet that people are willing to take. But. He ends up throwing the fight, and Featherington wins a lot of money, and he is very excited about it, and it's very funny to watch. Yeah, these fighters are definitely no Jake Paul. Oh, yeah. The Bridgerton boys show up during the fight. Anthony sees his lady from the first episode, Sienna, and she's with another man, but he fucks her anyways under the bleachers. Okay, I thought it was under the bleachers. Thank you for confirming. I would be so pissed if I was sitting in the stands and heard people sexing underneath me. I'd be so mad. Why would you be mad about that? Because somebody's having sex underneath me. I didn't sign up to be above sexual intercourse. Oh. That is rude. Hmm. Interesting. Some people pay a lot of money to do that. So Simon shows up to wish Will luck. They are friends, as far as I could tell. And that's that. Feathering to Tappy. He won a shit ton of money. Apparently, they had no money. So Miss Featherington was very excited when she saw that Mr. Featherington. Lady. Lady Featherington. At least I don't call her Lady F like some <laughs> asshole. <laughs> so George's brother, Philip, proposes to Marina because his brother fucked her. So he feels obligated to. Apparently, that's called respectful marriage. Wow. Yeah, it was a lot. She says no because she wants to marry for some love or some shit like that, like an idiot. Daphne does some digging into Simon's father's office to try and figure out what is going on with him. She finds letters that Simon had written him but never opened. His father was a douche. Turned out Simon had a speech impediment when he was young, and his father basically disowned him because he wasn't perfect and he expected perfection. What an asshole. Yeah, but also his big secret is that he had a fucking stutter as a child. Really put him out. God, I hate rich kids. Mm-hmm. Your life is so hard, Simon. I don't. Uh, okay, I'm going to leave <laughs> that alone. The Red Featheringtons are rich now because of the bet. Yay. Not yay. They suck. No, the moral of the story here is gambling is great. <laughs> Until it's not. <laughs> <laughs> the Duke and Daphne meet with her family at their home. Colin sings some fucking ridiculous song, and the Duke is nice to all the kids. Mm-hmm. He's just a great, great guy, great brother-in-law. Catch. Yeah, mm-hmm. what a good guy. Marina thought she was not pregnant anymore because of you know the tea, but turns out she felt something in her belly. She was so mad about it, she threw a plate on the floor. So she's still prego. A doctor came and confirmed it. 
Mm-hmm. Anthony is with that opera chick again. So they started fucking again at the fight and decided to continue that. All we ever see the two of them do is fuck. Except for the last scene, but we'll get to that. To be continued again. So at this point, he actually invites her to the upcoming ball, which is outside of his normal practice, especially from the first episode. So it seems like he's kind of turned over a leaf where he's just like, you know, fuck what people think. I love you and I want you to be there. Daphne and the Duke discuss the plan. At this point, they're trying to figure out what the plan is, you know, a few dances at the ball and then he's out of here, blah, 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 blah. We finally find out what the fucking deal is. He doesn't want kids. My assumption is he doesn't want kids because he doesn't want to treat them the way his father treated him. There's a question on it later so we can dive a little bit deeper. We'll chat. So the ball has begun. A few notable things happen during the ball. Penelope is about to declare her love for Colin, but he tells her he's leaving London. Poor Penelope. I know. I feel bad for her. Eloise stops the Queen's men from intercepting Lady Whistledown. You know what Eloise should do? What? Cut her bangs. God, I hate bangs. (laughs) You're the worst. Uh, Mr. Featherington is out partying from his winnings. Uh, I'd assume about to fuck a prostitute when he gets confronted (laughs) by his bookies from earlier. So he's probably dead. Yep. Anthony goes to pick up his lady for the ball. She's with that other man from earlier. She tells Anthony to go screw because he keeps trying to change her and doesn't appreciate for her, her for who she is. Listen, I, I have no problem with any of her sentiments here, like this whole spiel she gives him. Let's say that everything she says is true. Then why in the British hell did she do him under the bleachers? Because she likes the sex. Okay. The clean, straight teeth <laughs> sex. Okay. Fine. Daphne and Simon begin their only dance of the night, a waltz, where they just kind of fucking hop around on the floor for a few minutes. It begins to rain while they're dancing. I want everyone to know that while I said that, I did rain kind of falling down from the sky like I was doing the Itsy Bitsy Spider in my office by myself. I would rather die than dance. I had to learn how to do a basic box waltz for a play I was in, The Glass Menagerie, last year. And I thought about Tanya Hardinging myself, so I had an excuse not to do it. Dancing sucks. Tanya Hardinging is, <laughs> is a really interesting way of explaining mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know we were supposed to be watching the dancing. I couldn't watch the dancing because, holy geez, what in the hell does the queen have on her head? It looked like a bunch of white dog turds or some wreath you'd buy on clearance at Hobby Lobby. I was too busy paying attention to see if I could spot Bernie in the background. But everyone rushes under the the sides of this central courtyard, and Daphne and Simon are standing in the middle of the rain, and she gets struck by lightning, and the show ends. No, just kidding, guys. No, so she takes this opportunity to confront him about the letters. She tries to convince him that he's different and is capable of love. She, in that, expresses her love for him. And then walks away. And that's the end of that. Mm -hmm. Why don't you say something, Simon, you motherfucker? (laughs) So confirmed. Featherington is dead. Now we we know for sure. And the ass tit that Lady Featherington is goes running into the office to see if the money's still there. Surprise. It's gone, asshole. Mm -hmm. She throws a little temper tantrum. And thank goodness. The Duke, I'd assume the next morning, finally expresses his love for Daphne and how he wants to try and figure this out. They fuck. All is good. 28 seconds from the moment of insertion to when Simon blows his Duke load. 28 seconds. Now, 
it makes sense why his last name is Hastings. He makes haste. I have partaken in a few hundred quickies in my day, but that is a fast blast. I have compiled a list of things that last longer than their sex. Okay, I'm excited for these. A quarter of the shortest Billboard number one hit song in the past 60 years, Old Town Road. A commercial for Taco Bell. One lap of the Daytona 500. Taking a BuzzFeed quiz. Reading half of a page of the novel Push by Sapphire. Microwaving a Hot Pocket. Final Jeopardy. The length of time I cried the first time I saw Mufasa die in Lion King. Finally, listening to the stupid list that I just created about things that took longer than their pitiful 28-second sexcapade. I have one more. The length of time Michael spends washing his butthole in the shower. Yeah, longer than longer than 28 seconds. That is accurate. I know. Pathetic, Simon. So I think this was one is that it's a TV show. So they're not just going to have a fucking six minute porn scene in the middle. Well, but they could do like some cuts, do some cuts to make it look like it's lasting there were longer. No, cuts. I no, no cuts. There were no cuts. What I will say, though, is I think this was metaphorically him not having sex for the pleasure of it, but fucking saying we're having a kid. I'm getting this load inside you. <laughs> also, I've said the word fuck a lot of time. I just said shoot his load. Are we going to have to cancel the podcast? Potentially. Probably. The season is over. The season of the TV show, but also the season of girls trying to get guys and marry people. Mm -hmm. We see a few storylines kind of tie up a little bit. Colin is leaving, like he said. Penelope cries about it. Anthony has decided it's time for a wife. And Marina leaves with Philip. Because she's pregnant now, so she's going to marry the brother of the father of her baby. (laughs) A respectful marriage. Mm. At this point, we find out some interesting news. We find out that Genevieve, who we thought was Lady Whistledown, was with Benedict all night last night during the ball. But Eloise stopped Lady Whistledown from being caught by the Queen's men last night during the ball oh shit, Genevieve isn't Lady Whistledown. I knew it. And then we see a letter being read in a carriage. It's signed Lady Whistledown, and it's being narrated as we see it. The camera pans up, and the woman sitting in the carriage pulls back her hood. It is none other than Penelope. I am so mad. Penelope 100% was my guess for Whistledown after the first episode. But since it was revealed here instead of next season, nobody will believe me. But I am an honest man. I have nothing to hide. I called this to myself in the first episode. She was doing all the reading, which usually makes for a good writer. The way she was just interacting with her mom and Eloise in this episode, too, kind of just furthered my hunch. But also, she always wore yellow. And Whistledown's tabloid was Hallmark Yellow Journalism. No one in the world drew that final line. I did. I don't know if I'm willing to 100% confirm that Penelope is Lady Whistledown. How? Just because she has a letter handwritten by Lady Whistledown in this carriage doesn't mean she's Lady Whistledown. Okay, who is it then? I don't know. No. I'm not even going to hazard a guess. But I don't know. Like, if she is the run who wrote at the end, you're truly Lady Whistledown, I would have been 100% with you. But the fact that it is just getting narrated and she is holding it doesn't with 100% certainty prove that she is Lady Whistledown. It's her. If you watch, if you rewatch the first episode after you know that 
that it's her. Like it's it's so obvious that it was her because every time Lady Whistledown is talked about, she's the first person they show. Trust me, it's her. It's her. Hundred percent, it's her. No question in my mind. Okay. All right, I'm just saying I'm like ninety five percent sure. Okay, one hundred percent sure. Well, you'll get there. Good news though, we cut to the bedroom. Daphne is giving birth. She is successful and births a lovely baby, Barack Obama, and the show ends. They haven't come up with any names yet. What in the hell were they doing these past nine months? Here's one thing, though. They probably, well, I guess even if you didn't know if it was going to be a boy or a girl. Yeah, come come up up with with a boy name and a girl name. Yeah. He shot his load in her so fast that she gave birth like a week later. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there wasn't anything that told us it was a time jump except for the fact that she was just giving birth. Yeah, we don't know. And then there's a bumblebee on the windowsill. Yeah. More on that later. Season over. Let's not waste any time here. We have a nope. mega load of questions to get through. Ooh, a big load. A, a Duke-sized load of questions to get through a here. Duke-sized load, and we're going to do just as quick. 28 seconds, go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. First two questions here are from friend of the show and friend of me, Ashley. His only friend. Who proposes to Marina before Philip? Hint, it's not George. So I, just from context clues, think this is Colin. Explain. So Colin was the one who was kind of uh, definitely interested in her in her in the beginning. There's even parts where, uh, you know, he apologized to Penelope because he didn't understand and and he didn't kind of know what was going on with Marina and stuff like that. So I think it was Colin. I'm going to go Nigel Burbrook. Guy is thirsty for women that are way out of his physical attraction league. Obviously, she denies him, but I think he went for it. Yeah. So I guess as this dude... You are trying to get with, you know, Daphne, and when she says not going to happen, his persistence is crazy because (laughs) he's also a lord with money. So, you know, he could get some ladies, just not cream of the crop, you know, Mm -hmm. but he's still fucking going for it until he gets punched in the face. Yeah. And here's a little spoiler alert for an answer to a question later. I think he's dead. I will talk about it, but I, I think I agree. Ooh. Based on one of the questions. But anyway. Intriguing. Next question. Who does Benedict start a casual relationship with? There's another question on this later, but I think Benedict bends the dicks. Dude secretly likes other men since it wasn't accepted in the 1800s. That's why it had to be secretive. Those silly Brits would have called him bad names like a like a poof or a pillow biter. I spent a good six minutes looking up British slang for gay men. Shirt lifter. (laughs) That was another solid one. But anyway, (laughs) I think it would be Burbrook. He can't get any females. So he does some dabbling. Yeah, I um, You know, that is very interesting. I don't think it's Burbrook, but I I um, will actually agree with you on that. I think. They really allude to the fact that he has a relationship with Genevieve, but that might be more of just a. a I think it's a root. I think it's a ruse. Yeah, I think so, too. I think he's just into fashion designing. (laughs) Oh, do you think he's designing the dresses? I do. I think he is. Oh, man, that's a game changer. Wow. What a great call. I agree with you on that one. Nailed it. Mm -hmm. You did. Good job. (laughs) All right. We have uh, a lot of questions from Reddit here, uh, first of which is from Spider Hoodlum. Mm, mm-hmm. What does being offered a piece of cake lead to, according to one of the characters? Oh, definitely fucking. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm going to have to agree, but I, I think it depends on the cake, to be honest. So back in my college days, I was at a dive bar with one, one of my best friends and some Bluto looking dude named Clint was yelling about shoving chocolate cake up a stripper's ass. And I managed to tastefully work that interaction into my best man speech at my friend's wedding. That is a long winded way of saying that it, it, it does always lead to sexy times if offered to you by the opposite sex who is not a relative. But the type of cake indicates the type of sexy time. So like vanilla, that's straight missionary, homie. Strawberry, it's a little fruity, you know. Chocolate. Well, this is a PG thirteen podcast, but I think you yeah. know where I'm going. I think it I think it leads to sex. Next question from Spider Hudlum. Why doesn't Simon want to have kids? We talked about this. I, I think this one's pretty easy. He had such a strained relationship with his dad, who was always like, today, Junior. And he didn't want to mess up a child on his own. But the fact that he acknowledges that alone puts him in a better spot like i know i'm a grumpy asshole but i still had a kid and now i just do my best like i'm aware that i'm this and i don't want to make him that i fail sometimes like i but at the end of the day i'm not bean dad and if you don't know about bean dad there's a thing you have access to called google look up bean dad i don't know what bean dad is it's a 2021 thing look it up oh okay i will in the same vein, I think he just doesn't is afraid of becoming like his father or or not being a good father. Mm-hmm. I think he's probably afraid that the pressure put on their family is going to lead him to act similarly to his father. And that scares him. But you're right. He's already by acknowledging it and trying to not have kids because of it, taking the first step into being able to to support a child lovingly. Plus, he's got Daphne and she's awesome. Yep. So uh, next question from Spider Hoodlum. What did Lady Whistledown say to piss off the queen? Yeah, I don't know. I for me, this is probably something along the lines of like she was losing touch with her with her kingdom by not not being able to predict what was going to happen in the season. The queen throws lame parties. Pass it on. Ooh. so Kiki C, another user from Reddit asks, what happened in the garden? Check it out. Simon is with his hoe. He's doing some deep, deep digging because despite the nice appearance, dude is a real rake. Daphne pulls his weed. They're getting real dirty on their hands and knees. He's in her lady garden. Know what I'm saying? Simon gives her his rose. She gives him her tulips. But Simon does not end up planting his seed. Yeah, I think they were fucking. That's what I'm saying, man. I just said it nicer. Ah, did you? Mine was coded. Mine was coded sex. Coded badly. Also, I don't think you laid into gnome what I'm saying as hard <laughs> as you should have. I'm glad you got it. So next question from Kiki C. What was Daphne instructed to do while she was alone? Express her real opinions. What do you mean? I think that in a time like this, as much as Daphne strikes me as someone who will speak her mind, because she is now going to be a duchess, they are trying to kind of like princess diaries her into being a a good duchess. And that means not actually expressing your opinion and just being a fake person. Wow. I went in a total different direction. I think she was told to play a DJ set in her pants. Wicca, wicca. Like, get her, get yourself all horned up for Simon so the sex is better. Like the 28 second scene that we saw was the (laughs) longest he's ever been. I don't know. It took you 28 seconds just to describe what they did in the garden. Fair point. Next, we have Bellatrix Get Strange, which is a great (laughs) Reddit name. Which social event does Lady Whistledown decline to write about much to the queen's dismay? 
I don't know the queen's birthday party. Like I bet birthday parties for monarchs are the worst playing pin the tail on the peasant hot potato with an actual hot potato in the pinata. It's just like a dead animal carcass filled with stale scones. Plus, what do you get the lady who owns an entire country? Mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know. More beehive headdresses, mm. more slaves. I don't know. Uh, she refused to write about the queen's annual orgy. No, my actual answer was also birthday party. It's like, what a boring event that would be is the queen's birthday party. Next question. Same user. Who is the first to extend a welcome to the Featheringtons after their public fall from grace? So this seems like we kind of saw this. I, I would assume that the first person to actually offer a hand was Daphne inviting them to the final ball of the of the season. But this leads me to believe it's someone else. But I don't hmm. know who else that could be. Yeah, I, I had trouble here because we don't know a lot of characters outside of the Featheringtons and the Bridgertons. So because we have such a lack of character knowledge, I'm going to go with Philip and George, like their family that Marina is in with. Ooh, what if it's Eloise? I don't think it's the Bridgertons. I think it's I think it's someone outside of that. Mm, maybe. Because if that were to be true, then why when they we see the last interaction between them is the the mom Bridgerton be like, fuck you, bitch. If she would have, if they would have taken them in. Well, I don't think it was the Bridgertons. I think it was Eloise. Yeah, but I mean, what is a a daughter? What can she really do? I don't She's know. trying to hunt down Lady Whistledown so she can right her wrong with what she did to the Featheringtons. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't. Yeah. I guess I don't. I guess I don't know specifically what this means to extending a welcome. Like I thought it meant mm. like helping him out and like taking care of him. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway. Who finally explains to Daphne in full detail how babies are made? Burbrook. <laughs> no, my real answer here is Anthony. He's always protecting her. Also my answer, and it's probably terrible, but I agree with you, Anthony. Anthony, yeah, it's got to be. Uh, next question, same user. How did Daphne offend the village in her first days as Duchess? Having sex with the Duke in the garden. Maybe. And maybe people saw her. I, I don't even, like, what does a Duchess even do? Be... The wife of the Duke. Yeah, but what do you? What are your responsibilities? I don't know. I think that one of the responsibilities is just like go to all the fancy events that the Queen holds, and yeah, maybe she misses one of those events because she's too busy getting it on with the Duke, and that offends everybody. That's not a bad guess. Where was Daphne when she discovered she was not pregnant? This question sent me down a whole rabbit hole of pregnancy test history. Oh, God. Did you know that in the 1920s, scientists would inject a woman's urine into a mouse or rat and then dissect the mouse? And then that turned to rabbits and then frogs? What even is life? To determine if they were pregnant? Yes. Isn't that ridiculous? Interesting. And that's the 1920s. That's literally 100 years ago. And we're talking 100 years before that. That's crazy. Obviously, there's no official test. I get like, I'm, I'm just guessing that it was... Basically, just, hey, I didn't bleed this month. I guess I'm pregnant, which, to be fair, that's still kind of a leading indicator now. Like, I feel like a lot of times someone will take a pregnancy test when they miss their period. Yep. I mean, I don't I'm trying not to sound gross, but, you know, obviously that is that's one of the things that that tells you that. So I think that somewhere in this Daphne gets blood where there shouldn't be blood. So I'm going to say she was sleeping over the Duke's castle after a fancy ball and she bloodied up a ball gown. Ooh, yeah, see, so I kind of felt in the same vein. I assume that the only real way for them to test that back then was whether or not you got a period. So this question really should say, 
where was Daphne when she got her period? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And my answer is the queen's birthday party. (laughs) (laughs) That's what she did to offend the village. Bleeding on the chair that yep. she was sitting in or on the dance floor on the, on the throne <laughs> why was she sitting at the queen's throne <laughs> blood on the dance floor is an emo band with a guy who rapes little girls so that is fitting oh yeah that makes sense all right perfect next question same user who stands in the role of second during the duel for both anthony and simon will we don't know a lot about will but we know that he's friends with the Duke and Anthony showed up at his fight to cheer him on. So he seems to be a friend of both of them. So I guess will. That's not a bad guess. And, you know, also we see that he's a boxer, so he would have some fighting acumen. So that's actually probably better than my guess. Let me guess. uh, Burbrook. (laughs) (laughs) No, I, I think, I think we'll talk about this later. He may have been, who was dueled <gasps> anyway the only person that i could think of would be one of the brothers so either colin or benedict because he would be close with both of them conceivably obviously because they're anthony's brother but then also because simon would be their brother-in-law colin though is too young and his hair is too puffy for fighting so i'm gonna go with benedict yeah that's a good guess next reddit user we have a question from is abby dabby do abby dabby do i'm so glad you did that what is benedict's secret passion we talked about it. The comfort of another man's caress and also chocolate cake. Yeah. So my original answer here was French girls. But after our discussion earlier about him potentially being gay, and I agree with that, I'm going to say to fall in line with that answer, dressmaking. There you go. Next question is from proper interest. How does Simon finally propose to Daphne? So I actually think that the reason they get married is because they got too deep into the rabbit hole of trying to throw off Lady Whistledown. So I think that it's actually not a real proposal. I think it's like a calculated decision that they both make to try and rectify the situation. But then after that, end up kind of falling in love. Yeah, I I think this is a trick question. I don't think he actually proposes. I think it's just 28 seconds of Simon D. Like, I think it's just understood when he puts the baby in her. Mm. I don't think they were officially husband and wife until then. When he tried to put the baby in her the first time? No, when when we see her, the twenty the twenty eight second sexcapade. Oh no, they were married. Mm, okay. Then I don't know. Okay. Cool. <laughs> Opal and Olive ask, where is the prince from? So is that the dude Marina wanted to get get in with, but then his brother showed up? George? Oh. I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm just guessing that that's a pr- I don't know who else the hell would be a prince, but I'm going to say the Netherlands. Also, imagine if that was a thing still, though. Your boyfriend dies and then his brother steps in like, hey, baby. Mm, yeah, it's very interesting. What happens if there are no brothers? It's just like you're done. That's it. You're done. You're a spinster. Yeah. So my answer, Prince was actually born in Minneapolis, Minnesota <laughs> and spent his whole childhood there. So I'm going to say Minneapolis. Good answer. Next question, Reddit user ASR0506. What happened to Daphne's gifted necklace, Winky Face? The Winky Face really threw me off here. Yes, it really did. That Winky Face. That makes me feel like it's something sexual. Yes, exactly. I wanted to have like a nice benign answer here, like a getting lost in a haystack, but that Winky Face. Yeah, maybe it did get lost in a haystack while she was having sex in the garden with the Duke. I think... 
along those lines. I think Simon rips that shit off in a fit of passionate lovemaking and they laugh and about it. And passionate 20 second lovemaking. Yeah. And then he just throws that shit in the water fountain that they're fucking against. Oh, here's a question. Did you see how focused in they were on Will's wife's necklace at the ball? Do you think that's that necklace? No, I didn't think of that, but potentially. So maybe they gave that to her. I don't know. Maybe Simon gave it to her and then was like, I don't want to have kids with you. So she like in a fit of anger, she just gave it away. Mm. I don't know why that would be a winky face there, but winky face. (laughs) Yeah. He pulled it off in a wonderful exploratory sexual passion. Sounds good. Gunny Hunty asks, <laughs> this does not sound like a Reddit user who would be watching Bridgerton. Gunny Hunty asks, what happened to Nigel Burbrook? I'm not even trying to be funny. What if he died? What if he died? I think he died. I do. I think one of the duels was with him and Simon pulls a burr and just and just Hamilton's that fool for trying to step to his chick. Either that or he gets with one of the eldest Featheringtons instead of dying, because that seems like a good match. And also that's a fate equal to dual death. I think he died when she punched him in the face. (laughs) She broke his nose. He's a fucking tool. And it drove it up into his brain. And when he he proposed on the ground, it was just like him in shock because he was dying. Could be. I mean, we don't see him in the last episode. So anything could have happened again. I'm pretty confident he died in that in that garden that night. All right. Under the fireworks. Yep. Next question is from user society. One oh one. Why doesn't the Duke like to talk except for with Daphne? So I'd assume that this is because of his speech impediment, right? Yeah, I, I think it's answered in the last episode. Yeah, he he just feels that he doesn't want to have to talk if he doesn't absolutely have to, if he's not comfortable with the person he's talking to. So when he's in public and things like that, he tries not to talk as much as he can because he doesn't want to slip up. Yeah, no, I think it's definitely that. And, and maybe there's also a hint of the fact that he thinks most of the people are lame AF. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Kitten underscore zero six two three asks, what is the significance of the bee in the final scene? Why or why not? Is it important? And how does the storyline in the first season shape your opinions otherwise? I thought a lot about this and you're probably going to think I'm an idiot, but have you ever seen the movie Fluke? Nope. A dude dies and he's reincarnated into a golden retriever puppy and he ends up finding his old family. I bet that bee is their dad. Oh, in all honesty, I probably wouldn't have thought that, but this question is leading in a way that made me assign importance to the bee. Like, I wouldn't have thought anything of the fucking bee. It just makes it seem like the bee is somebody. So there you go. It's bee dad. Interesting. So my thought was that we saw that Penelope was almost always wearing yellow. So I think it is to kind of signify that Lady Whistledown has eyes and ears everywhere. And there's all like she can see and hear everything. So there's always a yellow bumblebee. Ooh, hear hear me out. And this you made me just think this. I don't hate that. A bumblebee is yellow and black. So what Mm -hmm. if Lady Whistledown is actually two people people? and that allows them to be really, really be everywhere. And they, you know, they congregate and, and add in what they both know and what they've both seen and then they create this paper like we saw one of the reveals but maybe there's a whole other okay and it's hold on the, the hear me are. out even further yeah. genevieve who is black also is wearing black in most of the scenes that we see lady whistled down as two people it's the two of them into it but also yep. i think it's the dad oh we fucking locked that in that is <laughs> for sure what that is oh man last question from reddit 
joined for my hubs. Since they revealed Lady Whistledown, what direction will the show have moving forward in regard to the mysterious author? Yeah, so I think uh, this is pretty obvious in the fact that we know who Lady Whistledown is, but society does not, right? So they can still continue the story almost even more so in that we can see both perspectives. And if we know who Lady Whistledown is, then every interaction with that person in it is going to be even more kind of heightened. So I think that they'll just elongate anyone in the actual story finding out who Lady Whistledown is. But if we know, it adds that extra tension. Yeah, but I also think that her guise is going to start to unravel and slowly all of the other characters will find out that she's behind it all. Agreed. I mean, because I feel like Eloise already knows at this point or at least now believes that it's her. So once, I mean, it's kind of like a domino effect. Once one person knows, it's going to really start to to trickle down. Oh, yeah. Hopefully, it ends somehow with the death of Penelope's ornery mama. Oh, that would be the best. That would have been the best way for this season to end. 28 seconds of passionate, passionate lovemaking and the death of Lady Featherington. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that is all the questions we have. We now know Wowie. what happened in the middle of Bridgerton. With 100% certainty. And all that is left now is to hit up center counts. Oh, I like the away from Mike yell <laughs> intro. Can you do a little jingle to go with it? Do 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 do. Center counts. <laughs> Love it. That's it. Lock it in. Do 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 do. Center counts. I gave this a four out of seven, surprisingly. So I wasn't necessarily going into this knowing I was going to hate it like some people that I know. <laughs> I went in with an open mind, and as much as you know, I don't just love a show about love like this. I think it was done well. I think they took out all of the gross, nasty things about the 1800s that no one wanted to see, like dirty sex and crooked teeth, and did it in a way that it was intriguing. I would imagine it was very intriguing to go through the entire season not knowing who Lady Whistledown was Yeah, if you're watching the whole thing. So I think they did it well, and I can't also go against, you know, everyone who is fans of these books who is also fans of the TV show. Seems like they really did it right. So four out of seven. Let me preface my score by reminding everybody that it's mostly a product of the genre. Like I mentioned it in our Perry Mason episode, but why should I care about these people? They're all dead. So there's no future things that they can do. And my score is two out of seven. The acting was fine. Nothing amazing, but not bad. The script wasn't bad. I mean, visually, it wasn't bad. It's just it's just not I just can't do the old European stuff. And I, I hated and enjoyed the bright modernity of it all like we talked about it's cool it looks nice but it just it doesn't feel realistic and it's just a weird it's it's a weird amalgamation it's like a period piece but it's trying to be modern and i just i don't know i don't know how i feel about that and like you talked about like the whistle down reveal would have been a lot better or or at least the whole whistle down mystery would have been a lot better if we watched the whole thing but it lost all of its bite for us because we didn't have to endure the middle not knowing who it was and also she was my guest so when it came out that it was her i was like okay cool like i, I like to be surprised and, it, and overall I, I feel like a lot of the show was pretty predictable like as soon as you saw daphne bump into simon like you knew they were going to end up together you knew that they mm -hmm. were going to fall in love so yeah 
Like, what the hell am I wasting all my time with here? I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm surprised there weren't at least enough floral dresses to get you into the three range. Well, I mean, that brought me up to a two. It brought me up to a two. Oh, geez. Really, I was wow. at like a two and a half, but I like to do solid numbers. So I, I, I went down to two just because of my my bias. Okay, after we're done recording, I'm going to explain to you how rounding works. <laughs> Moving on. Dave, we're, we're done with Bridgerton now. What are we doing next episode? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. For our next proper episode, which comes out on February 17th, we are going to be covering My Best Friend's Wedding, a nice ode to Valentine's Day. But more importantly and more excitingly, what we are going to be doing from now on is releasing a short little tidbit on the off weeks in between proper episodes. That means that our listeners will be getting a little taste of some extra center cuttedness next Wednesday on February 10th. I am so excited. And this is going to be the this is going to be the new drill moving forward. Every off week, you're going to get a small episode. Dave, what is it called? You're going to get some of our load every <laughs> week. And it's going to be called Center Chats. Do 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 Center Chat. No, we can't do the same oh, theme oh. song. <laughs> no, well, we'll, we'll have, have to come, come up with a different theme All right, song. we'll come up with it. But yes, okay. Center Chat. All right, well, let's just tell people, what is this first center chat going to be? This week's discussion is going to be, which would you rather, marrying Burbrook or having Lady Featherington as your mother? Oh, boy. There's a lot to discuss there, and I honestly don't know which one I'd pick. I don't know. They both suck. It's horrible. It's a hard call. Yeah, definitely. We're going to have a an Instagram post, if you're not following us, why aren't you? On that mm-hmm. same day as release, and we'd love for your feedback, and, and we want to hear what you would choose. Would you rather marry Burbrook or have Lady Featherington as your mom? Both the worst. And while you're at it, feel free to also send us an email at thecentercutcast at gmail.com. Yeah, we're also on Facebook, the Center Cut Cast page, or on Twitter, at the Center Cut. Wherever you can find us, we're there. Yeah, and I wanted to give a quick shout out here. I was recently gifted some Milk Bar goodies. Check them out at MilkBarStore.com. I got a shitload of cookies and pie and truffles. Oh my golly. I ate so many fucking cookies. If you ha- There's a corn cookie. I didn't even know that was a thing. It tasted like a, a more delicious, soft version of of a cornbread muffin and I wanted to eat it for 28 seconds. It was really good. Check it out. Milkbarstore.com. And that I'm not being paid for this. I just enjoyed it. Well, thanks for stopping by everybody. Make sure to rate review, subscribe do all that fun stuff. But other than that, we'll see you at center chat like the queen's orgy between the balls. It's always better in the center. (laughs) 